0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Targeted restrictions in the Fraser Valley.
2: I encourage anyone, everyone living in Fraser East... To get vaccinated.
1: The spike in COVID cases leads to new safety measures.
2: Masking up in Vancouver schools.
3: We are seeing increased cases in school aged children.
4: The district makes it mandatory. Why Dr. Henry won't follow suit?
1: And last call for Vancouver's notorious COVID party host. Why the province is trying to seize his condo.
5: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
4: Good evening and thanks for joining us. We'll get to those stories in a moment. But first, the latest on a breaking situation in Squamish, where RCMP say they've received reports about a man with a rifle in the area of Diamond Head Road
1: people living in the area are being told to lock their doors and stay inside. The man is described as having darker skin. In his 40s, he's wearing a dark jacket and pants. Now, there is a heavy police presence in the area right now, and people are being asked to call 911 if they see the suspect. Also, you are asked not to post pictures of police locations on social media. We do have a crew in the area, and RCMP are expected to update us sometime this hour, so we will bring you more details as this story develops.
4: All right now to the latest on COVID-19 in our province and new tougher restrictions coming to the eastern Fraser Valley.
1: Starting today gatherings will be affected in Abbotsford, Hope, Chilliwack, Agassiz, Mission and Harrison. Grace Key is live at Abbotsford Centre with more on the restrictions and the reaction there. Grace? Yeah, well the Abbotsford Center is going to be one of the many venues that are
0: going to be affected by this new provincial health order. So, here's a look at some of the restrictions. Now, the uh, private gatherings are going to be limited to five additional people. Outdoor gatherings are limited to 10 people unless everyone is fully vaccinated, and full vaccination is required for indoor events. So, again, you got to be fully vaccinated to participate in t- ticketed events, including sports, movies, and plays. The Abbotsford Abbotsford Centre does have a concert and the Abbotsford Canucks home opener that will be affected by the new new provincial health order. They will be notifying attendants that they'll now need to be double vaccinated. Provincial health officer Dr. Bonnie Henry made the announcement earlier today and we did get some reaction from people here in the
3: valley. As of today, the order will require that. Private gatherings will be limited, so that's not household gatherings, limited to five additional people or one additional household. So keeping our bubbles small again. And 10 people outdoors, unless all of the participants are fully vaccinated. All the organized events, such as weddings or conferences, will be limited to 10 people inside or 50 people outside, Unless all participants are fully vaccinated. And this is where the BC vaccine card will become important. For organized events, that is your proof of having full vaccination.
6: I think it's what needs to happen to keep everyone safe, and particularly those who are unable to get vaccinated um, for whatever reason. I think it sucks (laughs) for sure, but. it's what I think is best overall for people's health.
7: I'm very frustrating, you know. Everyone just wants to move on, right? Get on with things, and, but um, everyone's got to be on the same page and that's just not going to happen.
8: We should get vaccinated so we can get on with our
1: lives. <laughs> All right, Chris, you mentioned uh, a couple of events happening at the arena behind mm. you. What are you hearing from organizations affected by this new order?
0: Yeah, we did reach out to several organizations. A lot of people, as you'd expect, are just sort of trying to wrap their heads around this since they just heard about it. We did speak with one hotel convention center, and he was telling us that the manager there was saying that he has a wedding this weekend, and the bride is now scrambling just to make sure that uh, all of the guests there
1: are double vaccinated. So she's got a lot of work to do in the next couple of days. You really never know what's going to happen next during this pandemic, do you? Thank you, Grace.
4: All right. Keith Baldry joins us now to talk more about why this is happening and specifically in that region. Mm -hmm. Keith, you've got the data on infections in (coughs) that eastern Fraser Valley.
9: Yeah, the case numbers tell the story, Chris. I've been tracking this for some time now, uh, only a matter of time before these measures were extended to these areas being hard hit by COVID-19. So here's the case count and the vaccination numbers for the most recent time in these particular municipalities. Chilliwack, worst hit per capita basis, 215, the latest recent case count. 21,000 people living there have yet to be vaccinated. Abbotsford, another high number, 195, 22,000 people. Mission, well, a lower number, but still a lot of people unvaccinated there, along with Hope, Harrison, which we're talking 55,000 people in this region alone have yet to get a single dose they're putting themselves at risk this is why we're seeing case numbers going up hospitalization's going up ICU's going up it's unvaccinated paper unvaccinated people paying the highest price health minister Adrian Dix today making the case if you live in the eastern Fraser Valley get vaccinated
2: and I encourage anyone everyone living in Fraser East to get vaccinated for their communities, for their children, for their elders, for everybody. Getting vaccinated is the important thing to do.
9: Now that message can also be sent up north, as I've been reporting for well more than a week. Now, North is a real problem area, very low vaccination numbers there. I'll leave you with one more statistic. Last week, 12 people were medevac down to Metro Vancouver out of ICUs in the North. That number has now increased to 25, many of them with COVID-19, many of them unvaccinated.:
4: mm, Not good news. Thanks no. very much, Keith..
1: Well, since classes restarted earlier this month, there has been a significant increase in COVID cases involving school aged kids, especially those under the age of 12 who can't yet be fully vaccinated or be vaccinated at all. Today, the public health officer responded, announcing a return to the notification system that was in place last year, but not a full mask mandate for all B.C. students.
10: An extra layer of protection. It makes sense
11: in order for us to keep our students as safe as we can in our schools that we needed to mandate the K to 3.
10: The Vancouver School Board trustees voting to require masks for students in kindergarten to grade 3. A decision made pushing students to go beyond the provincial mandate where masks are required only from grades 4 to 12
12: i am very pleased with the uh, leadership of our trustees at this moment but that said there are thousands of children in other bc districts that deserve a mask mandate and additional protections
10: it's unclear when the policy will come into effect in vancouver and for now they seem to be going at it alone dr bonnie henry saying on tuesday the province will not put in a mandate to make it required for children kindergarten to grade 12 to wear their mask
3: It is really important to remember that we still have many layers of protection in place in our schools, and masking is one of those layers. And this
10: is partly why the lines telling the story in teal, those zero to four cases are steady and these kids aren't in school. In pink, those 12 to 17 cases are going down. The group is eligible for vaccine. The biggest increase in the province from all ages are those five to 11. Five to eight in school, in blue there, no masks and no vaccines. Those nine to 11 in
3: gold, masks, no vaccines. The increases of those two groups, similar. What we are seeing very clearly from these data and from what we know, the experience in schools, is the trajectory and the level of cases among school-aged children reflects our overall community vaccination rates hospitalizations
10: among children also remain low the province willing to adjust parts of the back to school plan but it's expected to be done regionally based on areas of highest transmission and lowest immunization versus some global news victoria
4: and here's a look at today's covid19 numbers we have 652 new cases and right now active cases have dropped below 6,000. 316 people are in hospital 141 patients in the ICU and two more people have died from complications of the virus.
1: Well, the B.C. Human Rights Tribunal says it can't keep up with the number of calls it's been receiving from people angry about masks, vaccines and other COVID-19 health and safety restrictions. But as Krista Dow reports, most of those calls don't even meet the threshold to file a complaint.
8: We've seen and heard the protests. Plenty of anger and frustration over masking.
13: And remember, we have
8: rights. And the vaccine passport.
13: The vaccine passport, you know, it's a slippery slope of where things are going in terms of freedom.
8: For hundreds, they're moving from the streets to the tribunal. Since the pandemic, the B.C. Human Rights Tribunal has received more than 2,400 complaints. Add in about 1,400 more, and it's on track to be at triple its capacity. Of the cases so far, nearly 600 are about masking or vaccine requirements. Chair Emily Oler says many of the complaints being received come from a misunderstanding of what the code protects, which means clinics like this one have become so inundated with calls they're directing people to leave a message instead.
14: We are unable to respond to calls about the province's
15: vaccine order at this time. In the last couple of months, we've just seen an absolute deluge in the number of complaints about mandatory vaccines.
8: Laura Track is a human rights lawyer who says many of the complaints they're seeing do not meet set guidelines known as protected characteristics. So that includes things like disability,
15: your race, your gender identity, your sexual orientation. Your personal preference not to wear a mask or not to get a vaccine is not one of those listed characteristics. The system is just totally slowed down because of these uh, other complaints that have little to no merit.
8: She's asking people to educate themselves first on what discrimination is. Simply not liking the mass mandate or the vaccine passport isn't enough. Krista Dow, Global News.
4: The VPD's Hate Crimes Unit is now investigating after a senior was knocked to the ground in downtown Vancouver last night. Vancouver police say, according to witnesses, racial slurs were being yelled as the 69-year-old victim was assaulted. Deputy Chief Howard Chow took to social media about the incident, saying there's no place for violence and racism. Officers believe the senior was trying to defend an Asian man who had been the target of racist abuse. The senior wasn't seriously hurt and no arrests have been made.
1: Public health officials in the Okanagan have been scrambling to deal with a COVID outbreak in Kelowna's homeless population. The outbreak first hit residents of the Doyle Avenue shelter in downtown Kelowna earlier this month. And when 14 residents of the facility volunteered to be tested, all but one of the 14 came back positive. Many of the shelter residents were moved into 38 rooms at two nearby hotels. But when those were filled... The shelter was divided in half to separate the COVID positive from the uninfected.
16: So what it means for our residents is that they don't have to get up and move. They don't have to leave their temporary home. They don't have to spend the summer in a tent or in a cardboard box fort on the street. They actually have a place where they belong, a place where they are welcome to be.
1: The situation seems to have stabilized for now, but only about 50% of Kelowna's homeless population is fully vaccinated, and it's feared another outbreak is likely.
4: BC's director of civil forfeiture is going after the penthouse condo belonging to Mo Movisagi. The claim alleges the Vancouver property has been used as an after-hours nightclub, with Movasaghi defying health orders and hosting a string of parties. Romina Dea has the details.
14: The luxury penthouse at Tellus Garden in Vancouver listed Monday for over $3.3 million, just three days after BC's director of civil forfeiture filed a civil claim to seize the COVID-19 party palace. The government going after Mohamed Movisaji for proceeds of crime. He is the owner of the condo, according to BC Assessment. Movisaji 42, was arrested in January. After multiple complaints, he was running a makeshift nightclub. Too many people inside, in violation of the pandemic public health order. The government claims Movisagi financed the purchase of the condo in part with a down payment of close to a million dollars. The property, an instrument of unlawful activity, used to launder money and sell liquor without a license, according to the claim. The lawsuit alleges a company started by Movisagi, NV Clean Services Inc., was used to receive proceeds of the unlawful activity. Two years, right? Movisaji was sentenced to one day in jail, a $5,000 fine and 18 months probation in April. But four months later, in August, the penthouse was allegedly used again six times to host hundreds. Movisaji, a former financial planner, was fined more than $27,000 for forging a client's signature. His brother Ali is, quote, associated to known organized crime members, according to the government's law. Mobisaji's other brother, Bobby, a lawyer who has represented him in the past, did not respond to our email. Mobisaji has 21 days to respond to the lawsuit. So, what about the sale of the multi million dollar notorious unit? A spokesperson for the Minister of Public Safety says the sale can still go ahead without affecting the civil forfeiture case or the new buyer. Romina Dea, Global News.
1: A frantic mother with a badly bleeding child put the 911 system to the test, and she feels like it failed. What happened and why she's getting an apology today? Next on the News Hour.
4: Call it a victory for Ferry Creek protesters. What happened in court that makes it easier for them to disrupt logging operations?
1: And the long climb to freedom for minors still trapped underground in Sudbury. That's later.
4: Right now, though, Vancouver's fire chief is sounding yet another alarm in the ongoing crisis over BC's short staffed ambulance service.
1: Chief Karen Fry says long waits for paramedics are tying up fire crews for hours, something she says puts others at risk. Amatagahi reports.
7: They are always punctual and often the first to arrive at any emergency. But too many times lately, they have been made to to hurry up and wait. Now firefighters joining the list of many who want it publicly known how bad BC's ambulance crisis can get.
6: This drain is tremendous on our resources.
7: Just look at what happened on the Portman Bridge yesterday, for example. When they arrive, firefighters will usually hold the situation and those that may be injured in place where it may be safe until paramedics can treat and transport to hospital. The well-documented BC ambulance staffing shortage in this province has completely disrupted that workflow, enough to cause this concern.
6: Right this very minute, we have a crew on scene that's been on scene at a medical call for over two hours. (laughs) While our crews are tied up there, we're not able to respond and help in other emergencies, including fires, if and when a fire does come
17: in. We're seeing out-of-service ambulances every week, every day. Weekends are particularly worse. We're seeing members booking off because of mental health, illness, that sort of stuff, which is definitely hurting our ability to fill spots.
7: After the historically deadly heat wave early this summer, the system was to be overhauled. The new appointments, positions and funding are promising but the effects have not been immediate.
17: To say everything's changed, are we in a better state? I can't say that unfortunately. Police are attending calls with us for for their role and they're waiting for ambulances too just because there's just not enough of them on the street.
9: While
7: some days are better than others, BC Emergency Health Services admits high call volumes have meant additional delays just getting through to 911. And non-urgent calls in Vancouver Coastal Health are taking longer. But BCEHS also said it is in the process of hiring 55 new call dispatchers. Amar Global News.
4: A Delta family is questioning the reliability of 911 after a frightening incident for them on Friday afternoon. They tried a number of times to get an ambulance after they say a 7-year-old boy cut himself and was bleeding profusely. Eventually, the boy's grandmother had to come to the rescue, rushing him to Surrey Memorial. Catherine Urquhart explains.
11: Yeah, are you feeling better now? Seven-year-old Zach Ismail is at home recovering following a traumatic ordeal. On Friday, his foot was slashed open after stepping on a piece of glass. Zach's mother called 911. So she says to me, Mom, I can't get a hold of 911. I keep calling and it's a busy signal. Erin Schulte, Zach's grandmother, quickly drove to their house in North Delta. I finally pull into the yard and she's carrying him out of the garage. And I just say... You know, we can't wait. Just put him in the car and I'm going to go to the hospital with him. During the 20-minute drive to Surrey Memorial, Schulte says she desperately tried to slow the bleeding with her other hand. He was falling asleep. He had lost so much blood that he couldn't really hold his head up. In hospital, she says Zach vomited more than 30 times before finally receiving stitches for the gaping wound. What we were seeing on the Friday is that um, call delays in our 911 staff being able to transfer calls to the uh, ambulance service meant that those 911 call takers who have to stay on the line until the call is answered by the ambulance service
17: they weren't able to transfer through to the ambulance dispatch, which uh, is is concerning because they never did get through to the ambulance to send an ambulance to the call. It sounds like
11: Schulte says she has now experienced firsthand how the system desperately needs fixing. I really hope that someone that is leading this province will come forward and and put some measures in place to work past this.
1: What are we going to do? But let's fix it.
11: Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
1: Up ahead, a safe place to exchange goods.
12: I am 100% for this. Anything that protects the citizens, I'm for.
1: How this parking spot is really security for the sharing economy
4: and how the supply of labor is turning sour in the critical Okanagan fruit industry.
11: Big delays here in Surrey, both ways on Highway 10 near 160th Street where train arms are stuck down. It looks like they've down to a single lane each way right now, but transit buses and plenty of people are still stuck. Through a new charitable partnership between Kermac Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermac Collision and Auto Glass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Center. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above Highway 10 in Surrey.
1: Nanaimo RCMP are the latest police agency to set up a safe zone outside their headquarters for people who are part of our modern-day online swap meet.
4: Right, who hasn't listed something on Kijiji, Craigslist, or Facebook Marketplace, right? But as Kylie Stanton reports, the Nanaimo safe zone goes further than just serving people buying and selling on the Internet. The stall is a third from the right, immediately outside our detachment.
6: When it comes to making a few extra dollars... This idea makes a lot of sense.
18: It's reserved 24 hours a day.
6: The Nanaimo RCMP's community exchange zone is a safe area, properly lit and monitored by surveillance 24-7. The designated space is meant for the growing number of people taking part in the giant online garage sale. I think that's a great idea. I think everyone needs that.
19: It makes a lot of sense to set up an area. And
6: they don't have to come to
12: their home. I am 100% for this Anything that protects the citizens, I'm for
6: Abbotsford Police launched a similar initiative back in 2018, and it's still going strong. What's likely due to the continued growth of BC's online secondhand economy? A recent study, sponsored by Kijiji, pegs the value at more than $4 billion, with a participation rate of 86%.
16: This is a major part of the economy, but there are risks associated with it, so this essentially tries to limit the risk. It doesn't completely eliminate it, but it does try
6: to significantly limit it. At the very least, it helps identify red flags. If someone doesn't want to meet here, a spot that offers the protection of police if a deal goes sideways, well, it's probably best to walk away from the transaction.
16: Literally, it keeps everyone safe. It keeps the buyer safe. It keeps the seller safe. It keeps the community safe.
6: But Nanaimo RCMP are taking it a step further hoping families will use the space for custodial exchanges of children, if necessary.
18: We think it's something that's going to really facilitate safe exchange of items and children in Nanaimo.
6: All that with just a simple parking sign. And while it may not look like much, it's giving the residents of Nanaimo a little more sense of security. Kylie Stanton, Global News.
1: Well, the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation says Metro Vancouver is bucking a trend that's seeing the rest of the country's real estate market poised for correction. But as Ted Czernecki explains, it still seems that buying might be better than renting in this region.
5: Given all the craziness in Vancouver's real estate market, the shortage of listings, the plethora of buyers, soaring prices, you might be surprised to learn that the risk of a sudden collapse in the housing market here is rated low by CMHC.
17: So when we look at the economy in Vancouver, uh, we see a rebound from where we were a year ago. We see uh, house prices are actually in line with their um, historical relationship with what we consider to be fundamental factors uh, for the housing market.
5: But elsewhere in the country, it's a different story. Speculation has reared its ugly head in Ontario and Quebec, and especially the Maritimes, where prices have been climbing along with listings. In Vancouver, the number of unsold homes, or listings, continues to be low, so you'd expect prices to climb, and they are, but even here the increases are slowing. In the Maritimes, prices shouldn't be going up along with the number of listings, but they are, and that makes that market vulnerable to a correction.
17: It's not like one variable decides the whole thing. We're always looking at all of the variables at the same time in a framework, and so, you know, Slight changes in in multiple directions on multiple variables can be slightly different in these different markets, and that'll be completely a local context.
5: Another study by realtor Royal LePage suggests buying is still better than renting in the very long run.
13: People talk about the high cost of housing in Vancouver. It is worth mentioning that anybody who's been an owner the last 5, 10, 20 years has had an extremely negative cost of owning. They've gotten richer by uh, living in Vancouver.
5: Both the Realtors Report and the CMHC study only look at historical trends, and we all know hindsight is twenty twenty. But should prices fall in the near future, and that's an increasing probability where the vulnerability rating is high, it could
13: get costly. If we look in Vancouver on a million-dollar property, uh, a 10% drop, you're looking at 100K. Uh, it would take a lot of years of renting to make that up.
5: The good news is there's still opportunity to find rental property. The vacancy rate in Vancouver is at its highest in 20 years. COVID probably has something to do with that, so it's not likely to last, and sympathy for anyone tasked with deciding to rent or buy in this market. Ted Shernacki, Global News.
4: Up next, it's the only option for Canadian miners trapped underground, climbing up a ladder from a depth that makes the CN Tower look small.
1: And later in sports, the Canucks fill in fourth liner and the special skills that make him a hockey unicorn.
13: At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder.
11: Here we are at the Massey Tunnel where counterflow is out and traffic is moving well in both directions, with just some minor congestion at the Steveston on and off ramps from Highway 99. Planning a trip with BCAA Travel Insurance, you get free COVID-19 medical coverage and worldwide virtual care from BC's top choice. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Massey Tunnel
4: a major win for anti-logging protesters. The court injunction against blockades at Ferry Creek is no longer in force. A B.C. Supreme Court judge denied an application that would have extended the injunction for another 12 months. In his ruling, Justice Douglas Thompson said the actions of police in enforcing the injunction, quote, led to serious and substantial infringement of civil liberties, including impairment of the freedom of the press. More than 1,000 people have been arrested while blockading the roads into Ferry Creek, into the Ferry Creek watershed area and disrupting the activities of logging company Teal Cedar Products, which had been seeking the extension to the injunction.
1: Well, rescue efforts are still underway to free the remaining miners trapped underground in Sudbury. Global's Mike Drillet is in the northern Ontario community with more.
2: It's been a harrowing ordeal for workers here at the Totten Mine just west of Sudbury. On Sunday, the elevator or cage, the lifeline to the mine, was damaged, trapping 39 miners underground. After the elevator failed, the miners moved to a refuge station for safety. Rescue crews were brought in from parent company Valais as well as Ontario Mine Rescue. They determined the only way out was to climb with ladders through a secondary egress system, which is essentially a very narrow vertical tube. The miners were attached to safety harnesses, but they still had to climb out themselves, one rung at a time, which took up to 10 hours. To put it into context, the miners were at depths of 914 to 1219 meters, or roughly 2.5 CN towers. Medical staff were on hand throughout and report no injuries so far. Meanwhile, parent company Valet is investigating what happened and has temporarily halted production here at the mine. Mike Drillet, Global News, Sudbury, Ontario.
4: Well, all families, I think we can agree, have been impacted by the COVID pandemic, but for some, it's been harder than others. Healthcare workers say they are exhausted caring for so many sick patients. And it's taking a toll on their own families. Global's Kendra Slagoski has more.
16: Being a nurse is Nancy Halupa's calling. I'm nothing if I'm not a nurse. I've been a nurse in my head since I was six years old. For 23 years, she's been at bedsides. But lately, her job in the ER is too much. Stressed. Tired. Angry. It's not just COVID patients. We've been, nursing has been short-staffed for years. Overdoses have spiked and Halupa says patients are sicker. By the time her shift is over, there's little left for her own family. You feel like a terrible mother a lot of the times because you're, you don't have the energy to go to a soccer game or the energy to deal with you know teenage problems. Or energy to care for her aging parents, let alone herself. The emotional demands of the job are mounting. Nurses across the country are feeling the same drain. The BC Nurses Union says countless months of COVID-19 has accelerated a nursing shortage there. It says nurses are burnt out, being pushed beyond their limits, forcing them to leave the profession. It's the same in Ontario.
15: It's pretty bleak, is what I'll say. What we're hearing from the ground is that nurses are leaving the
16: Ontario Nurses Association says hospitals are chronically short-staffed. It estimates smaller hospitals are facing up to 22% vacancies.
15: That is horrendous uh, at the best of times. And this certainly isn't the time to be experiencing a nursing crisis. Halupa's family
16: and co-workers are helping her cope. But she fears the fourth wave may push her to cut her hours even more. I don't know any nurse that willingly wants to work full-time anymore. Kendra Slugoski, Global News.
1: Coming up, our city's history hiding in plain sight. It's
4: always worthwhile
19: keeping your eye open for stuff.
1: Vancouver's ghost sign hunter and what sparked his passion.
4: And remember that bear we showed you last night on The Swing? Turns out he's back. You're watching Global hour at 6. Fruit growers up and down the Okanagan Valley are once again finding themselves shorthanded for harvest season.
1: As Global's Travis Lowe reports, the labor shortage is forcing some growers to leave product on the trees, which is taking a big bite out of the bottom line.
13: It's not an easy job climbing a ladder and wearing a bag that weighs 50 to 60 pounds. These days... Steve Day is having to pick a lot of the pears himself at his orchard in Kelowna, where his family has farmed for over a century. It's been difficult. Difficult, because like many other Okanagan orchardists and growers, Day is shorthanded for this season's harvest. It labors a huge concern. If you're short pickers, uh, you'd sometimes have to walk from certain portions of your crop. Walk from. That's industry lingo for leaving fruit on the trees, which means lost revenue. So that shortage of pickers is actually picking Steve Day's pocket. This year we walked from fruit, which is the first time it's happened in in a number of years. According to Day, help wanted is a familiar refrain for many growers, but the manager of the British Columbia Fruit Growers Association says it's become considerably worse since the pandemic started. The foreign workers aren't coming in as the same numbers and the domestic workers aren't showing up. Lucas says the labour shortage has really affected the early varietals apple harvest. And as a result,
5: we're expecting
4: apple production to be down about 20%.
13: But back at Kalsan Orchards, the financial impact of the current labour shortage is more immediate. Whether it costs more at the market, it definitely cuts into my bottom line. Travis Lowe, Global News, Kelowna.
4: Walking away from fruit—it just doesn't seem right, does it? <laughs> Not at all. Wishing those guys no, good luck. Absolutely out there. All right. Um, any sunshine on the trees coming in the next little while here, Christy? <laughs>
15: A uh, long-range forecast, Chris. So we still have to get through a very stormy couple of day- days. Today was interesting. We started off with heavy rain. Then we saw some sunshine and a pretty big storm in through the Deep Cove area. Uh, here's a quick look at that storm cloud looking out from Vancouver towards the North Shore. You can see quite a dark cloud with a downpour underneath it. And yes, there was hail and intense rain there. So thank you to everyone who shares videos and photos of that. Two storms on deck, though. Despite the fact it's dry right now, we are going to see the rain develop overnight. The second one will be the strongest of the two. Nonetheless, significant rain overnight. We'll see it through the morning hours. You may want to give yourself a little bit of extra time for your commute to work. Wind and rain expected. There's a chance we could see some power outages and delays in the ferries, but it's more so tomorrow night with the second of the two storms that will be more intense, heavy rain. And we're talking about very strong winds. But in the meantime, tomorrow morning, these are the winds you can expect. 50 to 60 kilometer an hour gusts. There's a chance that some areas out through the Strait of Georgia could be even stronger than that. That's the reason why we could see some delays in the ferries, but this is below warning criteria. But we are talking about heavy rain. So anywhere from 30 to 90 millimetres of rain by the end of the day on Thursday. So significant couple of storms on the way. Here's a look at your forecast for your Wednesday. So the bulk of the moisture along coastal regions, some breaks of blue sky in the interior, but you will see some rain. can Kamloops over towards Revelstoke, for example. But for our region, certainly a wet one over Night through the morning hours tomorrow and again tomorrow night before we look forward to that sunshine as we head towards our Friday and into the weekend, which is nice. Here's tonight's Central Windows weather window. As we get storms, we also often get rainbows. So thank you to uh, Elverna for that one. Gorgeous shot looking out from mm-hmm. Nanaimo. Another pot of gold
1: somewhere out there. Thank you, Christy.
4: All right, it appears playtime isn't
1: quite over for one curious black bear in Port Coquillum we showed you yesterday. Yes, he's back. This time, the animal got a better handle on how to use that front yard swing, sort of. Still needs a little work. This is the same bear we saw over the weekend who hung around for about 15 minutes just to chew on the swing. Now it seems that his skill set is improving, much to the delight of those taking in the show from a safe distance inside. He will learn... Or she i don't know we'll learn to sit on the swing at some point we're
4: thinking <laughs> or swing a bat you never know oh that's true that's true <laughs> looks like there's some of that going on okay squire is here with a look ahead to sports
20: i can't wait till it figures out how to sit on it okay uh canucks last night played against the uh, calgary flames out in abbott's River. we'll talk a bit about that game talk more specifically about alex Chason, one of the veterans that canucks have brought in this year who might just might make the team
1: Sounds good. Thanks, Squire. Also tonight, hunting ghosts. The photographer preventing Vancouver's past from slowly fading away.
4: All right, Squire's here with sports. Not to take anything away from the Canucks, but it might have been a little bit of an unfair fight.
20: Well, yes. It was like the game against Seattle. The Canucks brought a lot of minor league guys. The Kraken didn't last night. The Calgary Flames were more like the Calgary Embers. They weren't really the Flames. The Canucks had more veterans, and they won the game 4-2. But the Canucks actually looked good. I liked some of the things I saw. Jack Rathbone played very well. I thought Pod Colson played very well. Uh, D' Pietro in goal. And also, this guy played pretty well. Now, when Tyler Mott underwent surgery, the Vancouver Canucks brought in veteran winger Alex Chason on a tryout contract. And so far, he hasn't looked too bad. One thing about Chason, he is rare. He's a fourth liner who can help your power play. That's like some kind of hockey unicorn. They used him on the power play in Edmonton. He stood in front of the net while McDavid and Dreisaitl weaved their magic. And last night against Calgary, he did the same for the Canucks. The power play goal by Connor Garland last night had Chase On standing right in front of the net. Now Chase On took this tryout contract from the Canucks because he believes he has enough game to impress Vancouver To give him a regular spot.
4: You know, I've bet on myself uh, three times so far, so I've come on on the right side of it. So uh, I think for me, it's just uh, it's not always been easy. Just try to show you know what I'm capable of doing, and you know, I thought tonight was a step in the right direction.
20: The BC Lions certainly feel they got lucky when they were able to sign Lucky Whitehead. Now, not only does he provide the BC Lions with a great kick returner. He also gives Michael Riley a good pair of hands who also has speed.
13: For the BC Lions, 29-year-old Lucky Whitehead has exploded on the scene here on the West Coast.
18: You'd be hard-pressed to find a better off-season signing anywhere in the CFL than BC bringing Lucky Whitehead into the Lions' den. Whitehead the CFL's leading receiver with 665 yards through 7 games. He's What was it about Lucky that you said we've got to get this guy signed?
2: Well, yeah, Lucky's just an
13: electric guy on and off the field. As you see his smile after his touchdown and doing his little dance. I mean, that is as, you know, exciting as the as the catch itself, but you know, when we wanted Lucky, um, we just wanted a big play uh, receiver and to be quite honest, the expectations we had were high, but he's exceeded all those.
18: Now, before we dig any deeper into what makes Lucky so good, we need to hear from Rodney Darnell Whitehead Jr., who was given the nickname Lucky the day he was born.
17: Pretty. Much, my cousin had asked the doctor what room number my mom was in. Uh, they get to the room. My cousin asked where Lucky is. And my mom said, who the hell is Lucky? And it's, I've been Lucky ever since.
4: Lucky Whitehead. got some traffic around the 10, and now he's in the clear. Goodbye.
18: Lucky's talents were on display in the National Football League for three seasons. He played 30 games for the Dallas Cowboys before migrating north where he got his first taste of CFL action in Winnipeg. Doesn't matter what league or team, Whitehead is always delivering the big plays. Here's a deep look for
2: lucky Whitehead. I just say his deceptiveness for sure. Like, he's very deceptive, and when he's running his deep routes, he runs them very good. You know, you never know that he's going deep until you actually see it and he's by you. It's too late.
9: You know, a lot of times you send a guy on a go route and they're gassed for the next two or three plays. You either got to take him out, sub somebody else in, or put him on a short route or something like that. Um, you know, it's not the case of Lucky. He never seems to run out of energy, which is great. Um, but that also, you know, lets us do a lot of different things with him. Um, you know, we don't, we don't have to spell him after a big play. He's, he's ready to go.
18: This is a guy who simply loves everything about the game. He loves to play, loves to practice, and loves being around his teammates. Case in point, this is Lucky as a BC Lions flight attendant. During the team's charter flight home from Montreal, he literally worked the aisle handing out meals to his teammates something Lucky like plans on doing during BC's next road trip.
17: I, I welcome everybody back into Vancouver, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so not, I, I just got worried that we got those same flight attendants, so our flight to Winnipeg late October, so I might help again.
7: <laughs> nice. <laughs>
20: The Whitecaps have a game tomorrow night in Houston. Now, this will be the second game of three games in seven days, which means Vancouver will likely not have the same starting 11 that beat Dallas on Saturday. I don't think Ryan Gold is going to start because he played a full 90, but maybe Lucas Cavallini will because he came off early in the game against Dallas. Guess who scored for PSG today? Lionel Messi finally got one for his new team against Man City in Champions League, and this is a beauty. This guy, I mean, I don't even know what you can say about him. It's like Ronaldo. Just watch. Words are not necessary, it's all visual. That is another great, messy goal in a whole chronicle of great, messy goals. And after he scores, he does the Bay Watch thing and runs in slow motion.
4: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thanks, Squire.
1: Okay, we'll have an update on our breaking news out of Squamish coming up next. Stay with us. Look.
13: This is BC with Jay Durant, brought to you in part by Fortis BC, BC's energy solutions provider.
1: An update now on that breaking news out of Squamish, where RCMP say they have received reports about a man with a rifle in the area of Diamond Head Road.
4: Police have that area isolated right now, although outside of it, there is no risk to the public. However, people living in that area are being told to lock their doors and stay inside. The man is described as darker skinned and in his 40s wearing a dark jacket and pants. People are being asked not to post pictures of police locations on social media.
16: Today at about 3.30, just before 3.30, Squamish RCMP received multiple calls about a man uh, chasing a boy uh, in a residential neighborhood uh, near Diamond Road and Diamond Head Road, and the man had a gun. Our members' quick response included containing the area, calling in extra resources. Uh, that included members, uh, the emergency response team, the police service dog, and also identifying where the man and the boy went. We help people from their nearby homes into areas of safety. As of right now, our members continue their work at scene uh, to help the man involved.
4: Hope that's resolved peacefully very soon. Now, in an era of high-tech digital displays and electronic billboards, tonight's This Is BC takes us back to a simpler time in advertising.
1: Jay Durant introduces us to a man who calls himself a ghost sign hunter.
4: I think you're going to really like this one. Gareth Farfan sees the
12: city a bit differently than most people. Yeah, look at that nice stuff there. A walk through downtown Vancouver reveals all kinds of signs from bygone eras rubber boots.
19: I always love the way it says rubber boots up there.
12: Fading history on the sides of old buildings that people walk past many times without even noticing.
19: Hey, guys, here's one too. That's why it's always worthwhile keeping your eye open for stuff because things can be standing in plain sight. You just have to tilt your head up a little bit. It says you never lose with Pierre shoes. Heck of a deal on shoes back then. Buck 25, man. It's a trip through
12: time and Farfan has photographed every old sign and advertisement he can find. They're all sitting there in plain sight but some are harder to spot. Ready kilowatt.
19: Ready kilowatt.
12: Like the old BC electric mascot on a brick wall just off Carroll Street. I never would have noticed that. A trip to Butte, Montana four years ago is what sparked his interest. The far fan Butte is the mecca of ghost signs. His all-time favorite is there, an old ad for Wrigley Spearmint Gum.
19: I look at it and you go, well, why would they go through the expense of painting this in an alley? And it's just a beautifully well-preserved sign.
12: Vancouver ranks low on the ghost sign spectrum. Once in a while construction reveals a long-lost gem, but most have vanished, been chipped away, graffitied over, or torn down.
19: Probably about two years ago, the old sign, oldest sign in Vancouver got destroyed which was for a place called the, uh, the Louvre Saloon.
12: But Gareth managed to get the shot first. Different light in the background? He gets the odd tip from Instagram followers, and he's always on the lookout. In fact, an exciting new discovery as he was taking
19: us around. Never, I've never noticed that before. You know, I must have walked by that thousands of times. The timing on that <laughs> is still kind of blowing my mind. It's, that's rare. I mean, I've combed this city... Uh, left right and center I thought but that just goes to show you if you uh, keep your eyes open you'll see new interesting stuff in Vancouver. Jay Durant Global News.
1: You never know when a ghost will appear if you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca.
4: All right quick check and last word from Christy.
15: All right, so the rain will push in overnight. Strong winds expected tomorrow morning. Give yourself a little bit of extra time in the morning to get to work or school.
4: Will do. Thanks very much. Have a good night, everybody.
1: Good night, all.